Hey, folks, I'm Tom. I'm Keith. We're back again to talk about the Dunlap Champions Club. You've heard us give this pitch before, but we're going to go ahead and throw another fastball at you because the Dunlap Champions Club is where you should be each and every Florida State home game. If you've never tried it, you've got to do it at least once. You do it one time, you'll be hooked. It comes with shade. That's key. It comes with chairbacks. It comes with all the food you can eat which Keith and I don't need, but that is one of the perks of it. But it's a really good experience, and many of you have been in there socially, maybe outside of a game, so you've seen the space. Some of you still haven't been in the space. You need to call and take a tour. The ability to watch the game from your chair, to go inside where it's cool, to get food, to get drink, to see people and and socialize to whatever degree, that's important to you. Dozens and dozens of televisions on the wall. You won't miss anything. Plus, you can look out the glass and see from from uh, the fourth floor. It, again, it's a place you ought to go and give it a chance. For your tickets, for a tour, for more information, 644-1830. Without further ado, Front Row Knowles, first look. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles First Look with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Hello, everybody. Tom and Keith back with you. Front Row Knowles First Look and Keith these first looks are getting tougher and tougher to do, but Florida State goes on the road to NC State, 47-28, to 28, the final score. Script a little bit different this time, a lot different really, in that this is the first time I think you can really point to the defense as being the biggest culprit for what happened because Florida State simply couldn't get NC State off the field. Great game plan by NC State and uh, how they were going to use Finley. Knew going into the ball game that you weren't going to get to him. He'd only been sacked four times. Uh, in the previous, what, six, seven, eight games, however many it were. Uh, he gets the ball out quick, very accurate passer. Got three great wide receivers uh, that he can pick and choose from. And uh, you really got to take your hat off to to, to uh, the Wolfpack staff and to Finley, the quarterback. Uh, they basically picked Florida State apart defensively. Um, don't, don't Wouldn't say there were a lot of explosive plays or chunk plays, uh, but they were very, very methodical in how they did things. They didn't turn the ball over. Um, time of possession very much in their favor, and uh, they scripted a good game plan, and they went out and executed it in front of the home crowd, and uh, they earned the victory. 47-28 the final. The big story for Florida State was at the quarterback position. James Blackman got the start for DeAndre, DeAndre Francois, played well, threw for 421 yards, which is uh, a career high for him. It's the most by a Florida State quarterback, I believe, since 2014, and Jameis Winston, So uh, and four touchdowns. I thought he competed well and looked pretty good. He did some things that you and I had talked about during the week when we suspected that he would play. Uh, Coach Taggart and the staff kept it very close to the vest. I don't blame them. Uh, it'd be nicer if they could uh, let us know what's going on. We might could prepare a little differently, but I understand why they don't, and that's fine. Uh, as, he, as you mentioned, he got the start. In fact, uh, ironically, the, the last time he had an opening start for a, for a season was this time last year when Florida State played NC State in what ended up being the second game of the season, although it was after a 21-day uh, layoff because of uh, the hurricane in 2017. Did some things we said that needed to be done. Was a little more um, aware in the pocket. Uh, was able to throw some touch passes through some great balls. Um, it was just a little too much. Florida State could not get any running game going to complement him. And, and though Florida State outgained the Wolf Pack, uh, it was too little too late in the way that uh, NC State controlled the ball game. But he showed well. 
and that'll beg the question. I guess well, you and I'll have to d- d- debate it and talk about it and at least framework it. You know, who who do you start against Notre Dame next week? If you're asking me right now, I would say Blackman. I don't expect Willie Taggart to tip his hand on that even as he goes into the press conference this week. We may go through a similar week to what last week was. Some of the other notable things, uh, Keith, despite the quarterback change, it looked an awfully lot like the same team we saw last week in terms of mistakes, penalties, 16 penalties in all, being behind the chains, turnovers and giving the defense a short field. Uh, That was not new. That has been 2018. And don't forget the boneheaded plays just doing some really stupid things. Uh, and, and this team is just undisciplined, Tommy. Uh, they're very selfish. They're very immature. Uh, they're undisciplined. And, and they just don't play smart football. And um, I, I don't know what the baseline reason for that is, but this is the ninth game of the year, and you would think, uh, you would think it would have gotten a little better. Uh, I was a little bit, and this will come as close to true criticism, um, that I would have, but I, I was disappointed in that there wasn't more of a noticeable change in, in who started and who got playing time, other than the two kids that were suspended for the first half and maybe one or two on the defensive side of the ball. There weren't any changes, and, and they went with the same kids after saying that these are the kids that they had to relook, and there were some of them that they knew that, that they quit on them in the game prior and they needed to make some change. Well, Let's get on with making some changes. Uh, that's where I am on that, and, and uh, that'll be no secret to our listeners and certainly no secret to you. But but you can't continue to do the same things over and over and over again and expect different results. It's not going to happen. Something uh, not not Cladis, you know, from a catastrophe standpoint to get your attention, but you've got to make some changes along the way to let these kids know that they are going to be held accountable one way or the other or they're not going to seal the field. The changes I saw outside of the fact that Nooney was suspended and he had a change at quarterback is that Keith Gavin was not in the rotation at all in the first half uh, and did play some in the second half. And on the defensive side of the ball, Kyle Myers was not in the mix. Levante Taylor was hurt, but Kyle Myers sat out the first four series, and we'll talk more about that, and then you know, sort of rotated the rest of the way. So those were the noticeable changes I saw. One other change uh, not based on the comments of quitting last week was that Walt Bell called plays and Willie Taggart admitted as such uh, it did look different and, and, and part of this you know it's hard to judge you had a new quarterback you also had a game that was out of hand early so you abandoned the running game but we didn't see uh, the zone the read option we didn't see the bubble game as much so it looked different than what we had seen so far this year well again those that have followed Florida State closely those that have been more than just casual fans you know, I think it's been very clear that that uh, Coach Bell and Coach Taggart were continuing to learn how to work together. Uh, remember, this is uh, first year on the staff anywhere for 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 Bell, and and learning how to put the game plan together and learning how to script that and and make that happen during the week and then relying on someone else to make the the actual calls, calling the plays during the game. I wasn't sure that was going to end up being a recipe. If you could make that work, it would take two extraordinarily uh, gifted individuals that are really selfless and transparent. Uh, I just think you've got to put it in the hands of the offensive coordinator and let him go with it. I've thought that all along. 
Uh, I know there are, are considerable success stories out there with, with head coaches that are calling the plays, both in the college and the the pros, but those are pretty few. I mean, there's, there's a limited number of those. Uh, I liked most of the game plan. Uh, I, I was disappointed that they could not get anything going in the running game, and then when they got behind, you know, as you, you alluded to, you, you sometimes have to, you know, just abandon what you had intended to do. Uh, Florida State, I think, threw the ball 46 times in this ballgame, as you mentioned. That, you know, that's more than, than, than the Gulf Coast offense is designed to do, but you got to do what you got to do given a certain game situation. Uh, I'll be interested to see how it goes forward. I think uh, Walt is, uh, Bell is a very, very talented coordinator. I think his upside is tremendous. Uh, but again, uh, you know, we're going through some learning pains uh, that they learn how to work together. We bring you Willie Taggart's comments, some of them each and uh, every time we do this show. So this is courtesy of Seminoles.com, uh, and Coach Taggart will address uh, many of the same things that we just touched on. So let's take a listen. Another tough loss. Um, uh, I was encouraged by our effort this game. I was, I was really excited about the way our guys handled the sideline. And, um, but what we got to learn to do is translate that those efforts and, and the way we were on the sideline to the football field, and that's something we didn't do. Um, I love this football team. I love our guys. They're trying to do the things we're asking them to do. We as coaches got to make sure we put them in the position to make those plays um, that they're, they're capable of making. And like I said before, our guys know how to play football. We got to teach them how to win again, and we do that by not having those um, silly penalties and, and, and turnovers. You can't add those things. Those things but, uh what makes you lose, and, and um, we got we got to find a way to keep our guys from turning the ball over and, and having those penalties. Kansas State scored on nine of the first ten possessions in the well, um, we didn't we didn't get off the field on third down. Uh, some of it had to do with penalties, and then just some of the explosive plays. Uh, there's two weeks in a row where we've given up some explosive plays, and, and I know a lot had to do with penalties in this game. Since over the last couple of weeks, uh, the other teams have matched up your safeties and man covers, and they've had a hard time. Is that is there anything you guys can do schematically to help them out? Or well, you say they had a hard time. A hard time what? Your, your safeties mm-hmm. and man coverage have given up a lot of scores the last couple of weeks. Well, we just got to play, again, play better defense. They're right there. They got to make a play on the ball. You know, it's not like they're out of position or anything. They're there and guys making a play and we didn't make a play. You know, so we got to do a better job of playing the ball when we're in those positions. Or put, again, or help them out if they can't do it. James threw for over 400 yards. DJ and Torrey both had over 100 yards receiving. Only 21 points. Are you encouraged by the way the offense looked at times? Obviously not enough, but... Yeah, we had uh, 28 points, and, and I was uh, encouraged by um, the way we threw the ball, the way James threw the ball. I thought he he, he did a great job. Terry had a, a great game catching the ball. DJ did a good job. I thought James spread the ball around a little bit, too. You know, we got behind early in the game, and, and um, again, that's something we, we got to be better at. We got to learn to start faster so we're not playing from behind. Is it hard to feel positive about the offense after the well, uh, it's hard. Yeah, right after the game when you lose, it's hard to feel that way. But I'm sure we watch the film. We'll see some things that was was positive that we can build off of. And we're also going to see some things that was just flat out bad that we, we got to eliminate. Were, were you calling plays this week or was there a change in that regard on offense? Uh, say that again? Were you calling plays this week? Or I wasn't. I wasn't. Coach Bell was calling plays this week. Uh, obviously, film will kind of show more. How do you kind of evaluate in the moment what you thought of his play calling? Well, in the moment, I thought he did, some, I thought he did a good job. You know, for the most part, again, we got to execute. We got to put our guys in position to execute. And, um, but for the most part, I thought he did a good job. Thank you.
just part? just from again now without watching the film or anything. I'm sorry. What brought about the decision to get Walt? Well, I think you always evaluate your program, and I think with our football team where we're at right now, we have a fragile football team that's been through a lot over this last two years, and I think our entire football team need me in other areas than where I was, and, and so I'll make sure I'm giving all my time and effort to our entire football team and, and coaches to make sure that we get everything right. When you're evaluating guys, how much is a guy like Tamori and Terry kind of being what you're looking for from what you for from from all these guys? Say again, I'm sorry. When you're evaluating your, your players, how much is Tamori and Terry a guy that you, you want to see emulated from, from a bunch of guys on the roster? I wish everybody played like him. I mean, wish our O line or our quarterback or receiver, linebacker. I wish everybody played like the kid. I mean, he. He made plays out there for us, and that was that was the good good to see out of him today, um, making those plays. And we knew we know that he's he's capable of doing that week in and week out, you know. And, and when we have time to throw the ball and, and quarterback throw accurate ball or get it in his area, he he does a great job of going to get the ball. But he's a big time player for us, and um, he's going to have a great career here. Those are the comments of Coach Taggart, and uh, you know Walt Bell calls the plays, and Willie really said it had to do with him feeling that his attention was more warranted across the team, uh, which is probably accurate given the, the issues that are going on. And we'll see how it, how it moves forward. We'll see who the quarterback is. Uh, we'll see if, if there are more changes. I did think D.J. Matthews, by the way, uh, played well. And I learned, I wasn't aware, that, that Blackman and, and D.J. Are, uh, are roommates. Those are, those are the things you just don't learn until somebody starts playing and you get an opportunity to put a mic in front of him. No, I thought DJ uh, had a great game, uh, and as, as we've alluded to, with Blackman throwing for over 400, uh, you know, Willie, Coach Bell, however they're going to do that, they, they've got to decide how they want to go with this, uh, assuming that DeAndre will be fully healthy and ready to go for, for Notre Dame. Uh, but certainly uh, James accounted for himself very, very well in this ballgame. We will hear from both James Blackman and DJ Matthews later in the program, but uh, before we step aside, I will remind you there have been a lot of changes in the banking landscape lately. One local bank just sold after 100 years. Others are closing or consolidating branches. One local bank you can count on is Prime Meridian Bank on the web at trymybank.com. We will talk defense, and boy, it was a dismal day for Harlan Barnett's crew. That's up next on Front Row Knowles' First Look. Front Row Knowles' First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. FSU goes on the road and falls and falls hard, 47-28 to to NC State. That's a top 25 NC State club with a senior quarterback, and we talked all week about the fact that Florida State was not going to be able to get to Ryan Finley, and that was obvious. The biggest shocker to me in that game is that NC State, anytime they needed a yard on the ground, they got it and then some, and that's not something we've seen against this FSU defense this year. Now, I know that uh, your view from above, I heard William Floyd say it, there were a few holds that weren't called, which gets frustrating, especially when the penalty differential is 16-4. to uh, But that said, uh, it was a good scheme by Dave Doran and, and company because they, they really did find uh, – they, they got the ground game going much better than anybody else has against FSU. They found some creases. They found some ways to uh, take Florida State and, and find those gaps. 
Uh, it started with their running back, uh, who goes about 230 pounds, one of the largest running backs that Florida State has faced all year. Still very quick, very maneuverable. Uh, but they really did a good job of mixing up their passing and their running game. And again, back to my comments in segment one, Finley's not going to beat himself. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's a very, very much a precision passer. Uh, he's the most NFL-ready guy, Tommy, in the ACC. And candidly, he might be the most NFL-ready guy in the country. I know everyone wants to talk about uh, you know, Clemson's quarterback and Tua at, at Alabama, but these kids aren't coming out in the draft next year. And while Finley, I do believe, has one year of eligibility left, I think he is also eligible for the draft. And so he's going to have to make a decision as to what direction he goes. I think when and if that comes about, we're going to look back on it much like we did with with Phillip Rivers and uh, Russell Wilson and Jacoby and say, you know, NC State had some pretty good quarterbacks. He's one of them, and Florida State got beat by him. Yeah, he is good, and I, I think he I think he's a graduate student. I don't think he has another year, but the, the quarterback – not that we need to deliberate about this, but Oregon's quarterback is going to be up there at the top of the draft too. He's he's a pretty good one. But it it, it really was just it was surprising to me that they could run the ball the way they did. A um, couple of changes defensively. So we knew Levante Taylor wasn't going to play. I don't even know that he was on the trip with his injury. So you're already down a corner there. And then Florida State doesn't play Kyle Myers really for the first quarter and a half. And what they did was they moved Stanford Samuels from safety back to corner because of that uh and so hampson Nazraldine and aj westbrook really played the lion's share of the snaps at safety i did see cyrus fagan in there uh later on uh, but that was the change you know and aj westbrook got picked on a lot in this game um by nc state he, he had a lot of tackles but uh, he also gave up on one drive in particular gave up three or four completions you know, one of the things that teams have focused in on and have continued to do, and, and Coach Barnett and his staff are going to have to find a way to address, and that's when they go trips to one side. And, and so they have the equivalent of two slot receivers. And instead of, of trying to bump and run with both of them, they back somebody off 8 or 12 yards. And it just lends itself to those quick slants, the quick outs, uh, you know, the legal pick plays. I'm not suggesting that, that Carolina, uh, excuse me, NC State did anything that anybody else wouldn't do. But, uh, you know, I, I think in today's environment, and, and we mentioned this in the pregame show, you and I mentioned it on our show Wednesday, I think we got to go back to five and six defensive backs. I know that they did play a lot of five, uh, five uh, defensive backs against uh, the Wolfpack, but go back to five and six defensive backs, crowd the line of scrimmage, particularly when they go trips to one side, and 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 try to find a way to cut down on those easy completions, those easy throws. And the other thing I'd mentioned, uh, and you mentioned Nazardine, yeah, Nazardine had 15 tackles, maybe 16 when the when the tape gets graded. When you got a safety making that many tackles, uh, there's just something wrong with with everything. This this is probably the first game where I would say our defensive front and our defensive tackles in particular were at a stalemate. I mean, N NC State's line was able to to cut down on on the true effectiveness uh, of Wilson, and we, I you know we didn't call Christmas's name hardly at all. Uh, and Freddie Jones was back and playing. I mean, they they made some plays, but that offensive line neutralized them a lot too, and they were able to get to the second level uh, pretty quickly. And as a result, you had a couple of safeties that had double-digit tackles. You're not going to win a ball game when you're doing that. That's that's just a recipe for failure. 
and I would say that it might really be uh, your your point is valid about up front, but we saw that Florida State's linebacking core, which is not where it needs to be, they were not filling gaps correctly, and that's part of the reason that really you got to the third level where the safeties were making the stops. Yeah, there were times when there were some overruns. Uh, there were some times, you know, depending on what what your rules are and that type of thing, you need to be taking on a blocker or a back with your inside shoulder versus your outside shoulder and things of that nature. And, and NC State's just a well-coached, disciplined team, and when Florida State made those technical mistakes – uh, they took advantage of them. Now, I know, again, uh, FSU ended up outgaining uh, the Wolfpack in overall yardage, but that's because, you know, Florida State was slinging the ball all around the place, particularly in the second half. But it was a good game plan by NC State, and they executed it well. And, you know, here we are in game nine, and I would venture to you, I'd be interested in your thoughts. This is the first game where I think we would say the defense and you alluded to this a little bit earlier, the first game where if you looked at the two sides, you would say the defense probably was the lesser of the two units in this game. That's the first time that's happened this year. Yeah, I would agree. The time of possession wound up being way out of whack in favor of NC State. Now, you know, the offense getting off to a slow start doesn't help, but really the defense just couldn't get NC State off the field. I mean, they went Maybe maybe their first ten drives were eight or nine scores and a punt, and then they finally punted again in the fourth quarter. Um, you know what else didn't help, Keith? On top of what we talked about, first half alone, three separate series, you had significant penalties against Florida State. One of them was an unsportsmanlike conduct on Woodby, and that moved the ball up 15 yards, or maybe it was half the distance to the goal, and NC State got a touchdown. Another one was an unsportsmanlike conduct on Dontavious Jackson, and that moved it up 15 yards, and NC State got a touchdown. And then another one was a pass interference, and I think they settled for a field goal on that one. But that was three out of four possessions late first through the second quarter. It resulted in 17 points. I mean, it's it's the opposite of what Florida State's doing on offense where they're backing themselves up. Here they're handing the other team 15 yards and a first down. And let's be very clear. I, there is no excuse for an unsportsmanlike conduct. I can live with a pass interference. I can live with a hold. Uh, I, I would even tell you I can somewhat live if you jump off sides on the defensive side of the ball. But th- there's no excuse for unsportsmanlike conduct. It is exactly what it says. You're not playing the game to any standard. You've dropped below that. And, and that's completely controllable. And, it, and, and I, you know, I don't know what the accountability issues there are. I know back in the day there would there would have been some 6 a.m. stadiums and some bear crawls after practice that, that would tell you you would never do that again. I don't know how they handle it now, uh, but maybe we need to go back to the old ways a little bit. That's just unacceptable. Especially in light of you're coming off a game in which two guys were ejected for throwing punches and then you had three unsportsmanlike conduct in this game because Alec Eberly got one in the second half, and I didn't see what he did, and uh, and that wiped out a 57-yard pass play or something like that. We can talk about that in the next segment, but it, it's just it, this team is far from perfect. But if they just cut out the penalties, uh, you're talking about probably 14 points a game because the offense would score more and they'd give up one less touchdown. Now that might still be a loss at NC State. But instead of being 47-28, now you're looking at 40-35, and maybe we're feeling a little bit better. You mentioned in particular the El- uh, Eberly penalty. You know, we talk all the time about hidden yardage. Well, well, that was a pass play that was completed down to the two-yard line. And you turn around, and then it becomes second and 20 or second and 25 from your own 35. 
Well, that's a 65-yard penalty, a 63-yard penalty. You know, you add 16 penalties for well over 100 and measurable yards and then add another 100 of hidden yardage, and you're, you're giving up 200, 225 yards to the opponent because you can't control your emotions. That, that's, that's mind-boggling. And it's it's not different than what it's been the last couple of years. Now it has, uh, the last two weeks have been as bad as it gets, no question, uh, and it has to get better. But uh, I, I know we're stating the obvious and we're repeating ourselves here from from week to week. Uh, but it's just frustrating when you see those same mistakes and and 32 penalties in two weeks doesn't get it done. Okay, we'll flip the script, talk offense uh, when we continue. Florida State falls on the road. The Knolls are now four and five, three games left to win two to get bowl eligible. Uh, And one of those is on the road at a top four team at Notre Dame this coming week. But we'll talk about Blackman and the offense right after this on Front Row Knowles First Look. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. FSU saw James Blackman get the start at quarterback in Raleigh on Saturday. And we talked about it being a tall task to go in, face a top 25 team on the road. I don't think you can really argue with how he fared at all. He was particularly hot in the first half. He started 17 for 20 or 18 for 21, something like that. Throws four touchdowns, throws for a career-high 421 yards. Uh, All in all, and we talked about this at the top, but I I just, to me, if you're, and this is going to be the debate this week, some are already calling for Blackman's got to start the rest of the way. I don't know that I disagree. We've seen eight games of DeAndre Francois, and and maybe Francois, if he's completely healthy and is more mobile and runs a little bit, you know, maybe maybe he's the better guy. But Blackman looked more instinctual in one game. He evaded the rush a few times. Yeah, he got sacked, but but all in all, I, I couldn't find a lot of fault with what he did. Tommy, it started before the ball game when Florida State was finishing up their pregame activities. You know, they all get around in a circle before they go back into the locker room. You know who was in the middle of that circle and had the command of that football team? One James Blackman. Uh, He is a leader on this club. Uh, He has been. uh, He is vocal. uh, He's well-respected. I think the kids play hard for him. Uh, The problem is that you're not going to hear any of the coaching staff or many of the other players talk in glowing terms about Blackman's leadership skills because it's human nature that if they're bragging on Blackman, by default, that means they're criticizing DeAndre. And and DeAndre is is well-liked and respected in this club as well. I would personally argue that Blackman more so, but uh, you're not going to hear people really talking about that because it appears to be, um, uh, you know, a, 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 you're putting somebody down by propping yeah, somebody else up. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. I, I'm stumbling on my words there. Um, but I think Coach Taggart and Coach Bell uh, do have a decision to make. That's the obvious. And I think some of the things that will go into how they make that decision um, need need to be talked out amongst themselves because you and I have debated, well, if if Blackman can come in and start a game after sitting on the bench for eight games and throw for 421 yards, what is he doing or not doing during practice that is not giving the coaching staff enough confidence to have played him more in the eight games prior? I mean, because we saw all that he could do last year. This was not a fluke. He was in command from the first snap. It wasn't like they were tip balls that Florida State receivers ran under. 
he threw to open receivers. He threw accurate balls. He did get some help. Receivers made. I thought the wide receivers played an excellent ball game against NC State in terms of their ability to catch the pass. But but what are we missing that the coaching staff has seen? And whether they'll tell us or not, I don't know. But there there's an underlying thing there that needs to get ferreted out and ferreted out real quick. Yeah, I mentioned at the start you don't really know what the game plan looked like because FSU fell behind by so much so early, and you all had, also had somebody different calling plays, but we did not see the, the the read option. We saw one bubble that I recall early. It was the first quarter, and it was airmailed over the receiver's head, either intentionally or just a, an errant throw. I don't know, but that's the only time we saw that there was now in terms of the read option there was one play in particular and I agree with you Blackman should have pulled it because Cam got swallowed up by three guys uh, but other than that we really didn't see that well and and also at one I, what, what, what I'm implying is if that's what it is in practice that he's not as good at I don't know and I don't know what happened in the running game I would be interested in in, in listening to the technical things from coach Bell and and Greg Fry the offensive uh, line coach because at one point Cam had five carries for 36 yards. Well, I'll tell you what happened. The second series of the game, Cole Minshew got hurt and went out, and Mike Arnold came back in. And, and again, we don't want to keep talking about the offensive line, but, you know, Dickerson and Minshew and Josh Ball, who was booted from the team in the spring, that was three-fifths of the starters. And so when you lose Minshew, who maybe isn't the best pass blocker, but he helps up the middle if you're, if you're trying to run. You, you mentioned that, and I'd forgotten about that. So that, that could be, and obviously most likely is, the explanation for it. Because, again, uh, first three, couple series anyway, Florida State had some effectiveness in running, running the football. Uh, but when everything was said and done, uh, if it fell back on Blackman's ability to throw the ball down the field. And while you could argue, and some of our listeners, I'm sure, wishes that they'd have taken more shots uh, as they did, particularly in the second half, uh, they throw, did throw the ball down the field. They threw the ball over the middle, and Blackman was very, very effective. Let's hear from Florida State's uh, sophomore quarterback who had a, a career day in a tough loss. This is my conversation with James Blackman. James, I know it's it's probably bittersweet for you. You got a chance to play. You put up some good numbers, but uh, from a team standpoint, you didn't get the job done. Uh, you know, just to, just assess your performance, the first chance you've you've had this year, uh, you know, to get significant playing time. Oh man, uh, just came out there trying to play hard for my teammates. Uh, we didn't get the win, but we fought hard to the end. Nobody gave up. So it's just one of those things. We got to go back to the drawing board and get better. How difficult was this week in light of how the Clemson game went a week ago and? Uh, you know, a little bit of changes in, in terms of who got playing time and whatnot and, and just listening to the outside noise and having to get ready to play NC State. Uh, we don't listen to the outsiders. We just come to work every day. It don't get difficult at all. It's just about preparation and just your want to. And tonight we just we let it slip away from us. Um, we had too many penalties tonight, um, two turnovers. So you can't win the game when you got two turnovers and a whole bunch of penalties. So we just got to find a way to clean that up. We'll be all right. Yeah, really, when you look at the deficit at halftime, uh, I think you had six drives in the first half. Two of them were scores, two of them were turnovers, and the other two you just got behind the chains. And uh, this offense just hasn't been good enough to overcome that this year. And, uh, you know, how do you get that fixed? I know you got to just keep chopping wood. Yeah, like you said, keep chopping wood, keep working at it, um, emphasizing it every day when you're at practice. But it just comes to, to that point where you just got to want to do it and got to go give everything when you're out there and just play your hardest. And when those plays come up, we just can't slip when those plays show up. 
two guys went over 100 yards receiving today, uh, Tamori and Terry and DJ Matthews. Obviously, different kinds of guys. You know, one's a little slippery, slippery small guy inside, and one's a big target outside. But just kind of talk about the connection, particularly with DJ. For he had 10 catches tonight. Oh man, that's my roommate, man. That's my best friend, man. Uh, that man works his behind off every week, each week, trying to find a way to help this team win from special teams to the offense. So, man, he just a worker, and I just feel like when you work and put in that work, good things happen to you. So he came out and played a good game, knew his assignments, and you see what the stats was, 10 catches for 200 and some yards. That's surprising to me. I didn't even know he had 200 and some yards. But I'm happy for him because that's my boy, and I know these are the type of games that he's been waiting on. Yeah, just to clarify, he was 10 catches for maybe 140 or 150, but Terry was also over 100, so 200-yard receivers. Finally, final thought, uh, you know, you get you get Notre Dame next week, and, and as you go into this work week, you're sitting at 4-5 and five overall as a team, a few opportunities left. But, uh, you know, how do you make sure that the the attitude's positive, you keep pressing forward, and, and you look at what, what happens next week is a huge stage and a huge opportunity? Um, like Coach, Coach T said, man, it's only get better from here. You get all these opportunities to play the ranked teams, and you get to show these guys that you're supposed to be in the top conversations that they're having right now. So we just got to go to practice and emphasize the stuff that we're messing up on and just keep working at it because the more we work at it, you only can get better. But we're not listening to no one else telling us this and that, and we playing back because we're not. Everyone know that we're not playing back. We're just doing what we can, but we just got to work a little harder and execute when the time comes. James, it was fun to watch you play uh, today. Sorry about the loss, and we'll see you next week. Appreciate it. James Blackman, a polite kid, truly is a leader, and you're right. There's not anybody who's going to say a bad word about him, and it's not as if they're forcing themselves to say good things. They they truly believe him. We'll hear from D.J. Matthews later on, who, as James just mentioned, it is his roommate, but uh, he does have sort of an it factor to him. Oh, there's no question. We said that last year. Uh, he, he perceives well. He sees well. Uh, you know, it's it's. I fall back on the age-old thing that I, I learned when I was – starting uh, my basketball career and trying to you know figure out what it is I should be talking about uh and 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 talking about players and that type of thing and court vision was a term that that uh, got introduced to me and they used to always talk about how Charlie Ward could see the court and and Tony Douglas could see the court and and all of a sudden out of nowhere this great pass on the basketball court would come about either a bounce pass or in there and they'd get an easy layup or a dunk because uh you know they knew that some guy's shoulder was turned or he happened to glance uh, you know uh, eye discipline got away from him and looked another way well blackman's got the ability to see those things uh very rarely do you see him throw into coverage uh he had the one uh, interception that but it was a defensive tackle that faked rush and actually drop back in the in the zone he, i mean you don't expect him to be there yeah you got to see him and don't throw the ball to him but it's it's understandable how that interception took place threw the ball so hard i thought the defensive lineman's shoulder pads were going to come off of him i'm not sure how he how he hang, hung on to the ball but those are the type of you know instinctual things that blackman has that uh really showed themselves at various times during the nc state ball game yeah, you don't see that kind of play uh, at the college level very much because most teams are not dropping linemen into coverage like where you see it more typically in the NFL. I want to go back to a point you made earlier, and that is that you thought the receivers played a really good game. So let's think about this. Uh, it was different receivers. Nooney Murray was not in there. Keith Gavin was not in there. D.J. Matthews had 10 catches. Terry was targeted more, which everybody's been calling for. Uh, people would probably still want to see even more targets. But, I mean, if you've got him one-on-one, 
you got to take your chance. And what happened is when NC State started rolling the safety there, then the middle of the field opened up, and there was Trey McKitty, and there was DJ Matthews, and and Blackman did a good job of recognizing that. He, he found them. You know, he threw the ball to the outside. Uh, there were a couple of times that you could argue that he put the ball up, but he put it in a place where his receiver could go get it. And Terry in particular is exceptional about going up and getting it. And then he threw the ball over the middle. I, one of those passes to McKitty was just a thing of beauty. It was just, you know, it was a, a really a post pattern out of the slot. And it led him just perfectly down the field over the linebackers in front of the safeties. And then he started reading the safeties. And when they started uh, leaving two back and, and, and going a little more man underneath, you know, he was finding the open guy. Uh, he did a great job. You know, the, the one of his touchdown passes was to Cam Akers out of the backfield. Uh, so, uh, you know, again, that, that it thing, that vision, uh, James has got those things. And with that height and that, and the way he can throw, uh, the football, particularly the deep ball, uh, you know, it, it's not a surprise per se, Tommy, that he had 421 yards of passing. We kind of went, okay, he can do that. Um, he, he just makes you comfortable or at least gives you a comfort level that that's not an unusual performance for him. He can come out and do that week to week if need be. Florida State uh, gets a nice performance from Blackman, and that'll be the conversation you'll hear all week. will be about the quarterback and about who's calling the plays. Uh, but, you know, you take those two things out, and it comes back to stop with the penalties and, and get lined up and, and give yourself a fighting chance because you're going to have to do that to have any chance against Notre Dame this week. And we did see one thing for the first time this year relative to the penalties. We actually saw a fair catch on the kickoff. I was saving that for our next segment. Well, I got ahead of you. I'm sorry. And and the reason we bring that up, and, and Tommy and I have a little chuckle when we, we do, is because we've, we've determined that one way to cut down on three or four penalties a game is to not return kickoffs and have blocks in the back. And two things would happen. Number one, you'd eliminate about a fourth of your penalties. And number two, you'd start with the ball on the 25-yard line instead of on the seven. And that's what they did a couple times. I, I will say that they did have, since we went here already, they did have a couple returns from Keyshawn Held. He came close to breaking a couple, and, and he looks like he's got a little something to him. We'll, we'll save that for the next segment. Uh, Florida State falls to NC State. Uh, we'll clean things up in our final segment right after this. Stay with us. Front Row Knowles First Look is presented by Hobson Chevrolet in Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom and Keith. Just to complete that conversation about the special teams, Keith, I, I, I do agree with you. And, man, if this wasn't a carbon copy of last week, Florida State gets the opening kickoff. Keyshawn Helton loses his footing and falls down to the 17. And, meanwhile, there's uh, a Darius Dent called for two penalties, a block in the back, and then he had an unsportsmanlike conduct. So that's a fourth one. I forgot about that one. And you start at the eight-yard line or whatever it was, and that tilts the field. And the next thing you know, NC State's got a short field and they've got a lead. And, and it's been so uh, common that, I, I mean, I know, I know, Coach Taggart has addressed this. They've got some skilled people back there returning kicks. They're willing to take a chance of even bringing a ball out that's three or four yards deep. But it's not working right now. So let's leave it in the end zone, even if it's kicked to the five. Let's fair catch it for the next game or two until we can get our footing and see how that goes and see if that doesn't work for us. 
One thing that did work yesterday, James Blackman, we've talked a lot about him, and uh, I think that you're going to continue that conversation. <laughs> this is a little bit of a no-brainer, but it's time now for our Prime Meridian Bank. We usually call it the performance of the game. We're going to call this the performer of the game. James Blackman, in his first start in 2018, goes 29 for 46, 421 yards, four touchdowns. All of the touchdown, all the points that Florida State scored were his responsibility, and therefore he is the Prime Meridian Bank performer of the bank. Prime Meridian Bank, they're my bank, and this year they're celebrating 10 years serving Tallahassee, Crawfordville, and the surrounding area. Outstanding client service, convenience tools like mobile and remote deposit, and one of the top-rated mortgage teams in Leon County. Not sure about your bank? Try Tallahassee's hometown bank, Prime Meridian Bank, on the web at trymybank.com. We'll finish up on the James Blackman side of the ledger by uh, and the offensive uh, play, I guess, by hearing from D.J. Matthews, who had a career-high 10 catches, happens to be Blackman's roommate. And here is uh, the conversation I had with D.J. after yesterday's loss. DJ, you went over 100 yards, 10 catches today, but let's talk about the team standpoint first. And, you know, you fell behind, and it just it just feels like, and then you got behind the chains a little bit, which has been something that this team has had to deal with all year long. So, you know, how much extra pressure does that put on the offense to go out there? You know, when you're backed up, it's it's second and behind the chains. It just seems like it's it's, it's a tough obstacle to overcome. You're right. It's, um, it's definitely a tough obstacle to overcome because, just putting all stuff behind the sticks early in the drive is just it's just hard to get back there when you're playing against a good team like NC State. And those just we just gotta be fundamentally sound. Those are just things we gotta consider and practice working on. How difficult was this week in light of uh, what happened last week uh, against Clemson? I think well we had practice Sunday. We might have came out a little druggish, but we got back in it and we worked hard the rest of the week. Um, like you say, Coach Taggart preached all week, no quit. So we just worked hard all week, gave all we got, learned, attention to detail. Just got to get better. I didn't. I didn't see quit today. I mean, it looked like the effort was pretty strong. Let's just uh, you know, let's credit NC State too. They are a top twenty-five football team. Was that your your thoughts? Oh uh, yeah, I, I feel like we played good today. Um, the effort was there. We just had a lot of mistakes that we can't make against a team like NC State because they'll take advantage of it, and that's what they did today. Ten catches, well over 100 yards for you. Uh, what was different with James uh, behind center today? Just reading the field. Um, like I say, Black is a student of the game. Um, he comes to work every day, no matter if he's playing or not. Um, pre- preparation is outstanding. Um, James is a good kid, and my roommate at that. So we just always studying football. He just always teaching me different stuff about the game that, out of, from a quarterback standpoint, and that just helped me when I'm out there. Finally, how do you turn the page and make sure that you guys have a good week and go up uh, for what, you know, you'll be underdogs at Notre Dame, but, but, but uh, you know, they got to lace them up too. Yeah, um, I mean, it starts tomorrow, tomorrow practice. Um, really no days off. It starts tomorrow. We got to come out, pay attention in practice, um, work hard, go over our corrections, go over our corrections and go over our corrections again and just get back to the basics, you know, prepare for Notre Dame. DJ Matthews, this will be another question coming up now when we get to Notre Dame. So are we going to see DJ Matthews starting? Is Nooney going to be back there? I know which way you would go on this. I'm not sure how the coaching staff will go on it, but DJ certainly, uh, he played well. Well, you saw chemistry between Blackman and DJ. Uh, Usually we talk about DJ and his punt returns, as you had alluded to earlier, our, our listeners missed it. NC State only punted one time in the first three and a half quarters. 
I mean, their second punt wasn't until the fourth quarter. So you didn't see uh, Matthews with an opportunity to return any punts. Uh, those ten catches were big. Uh, he caught the ball over the middle. He caught the ball outside. He made a couple of people miss. Uh, he, 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 he's very uh, smooth in how he does things. And he and Blackman seem to have a chemistry uh, that was very obvious. And, and, and a lot of that, Tommy, sometimes has to do with, with who you hang out with the most or who you room with. You develop that rapport and you learn to uh, do some extra things i'm sure over the summer uh they spent some extra time uh out on the practice fields uh, working on things uh, and that's only natural but yes the the staff is going to have to make a decision how they want to use him and and you're right i know what i would do and he'd be getting the majority of the snaps florida state has the uh the task of going to play on the road in front of touchdown jesus at notre dame this week where last time i looked at the weather it was uh, 30 going to be 34 degrees and raining not snowing just icy rain and, uh, oh, by the way, Notre Dame is, uh, with LSU's loss, Notre Dame is clearly in the top four of the playoff conversation right now, unbeaten after their win over Northwestern, which is, uh, I'm going a long way to say it's a tall task. It is a tall task, but if you go back and look at the Nor- Northwestern game, uh, they, they had a very slow start, did uh, the Fighting Irish. Uh, there have been a couple games uh, during the year that uh, uh, they have ultimately uh, been able to win, but they haven't done them in, in, um, in the fashion that I'm sure that uh, their, their base would like to. Uh, you know, I, I'm not about to tell you that I believe Florida State can go in there and, and replicate anything close to some of the things we've seen. I think the, one of the last times FSU played up there, it was 31 to nothing. And uh, Crow Thorpe had, uh, you know, uh, over 200 yards in receiving. Uh, don't expect anything like that when it time comes to go to South Bend. But one of the things that is always great about playing, you know, these these games in which you are a heavy underdog, you got nothing to lose, and turning it loose should not be a problem. And certainly there's some frustration on this Florida State team. I know there's some frustration with the coaching staff and a great deal of frustration with the fan base. Uh, So, um, you know, let's lace them up. Let's go up there. It can be 34 degrees. It can be 104 degrees. You got nothing to lose. You might as well leave it all out there and let's see what happens. Yeah, I agree. It's an opportunity. And uh, this is the new – it's not quite the norm, but the way the ACC has this agreement with Notre Dame, Florida State will play at Notre Dame. It doesn't – specifically break down on the calendar like this but basically they play them every three years and every six years at Notre Dame so we'll get a little bit more frequency on the trips to South Bend but there haven't been a lot of them I mean there was in the 93 well, I guess early in the 80s and there was in the 93 season and uh the one you mentioned with Crow Thorpe which was uh was that 03 maybe 03 somewhere in that time frame that's 15 years ago now man my house time is flying <laughs> I know it was the Chris Ricks era I don't remember the exact year so uh, again, though, it, this is the same place we've been every time we've had a conversation about this this year, Keith. Yes, you have to worry about Notre Dame, but Florida State needs to worry about itself. Notre Dame is not the one that, or the opponent is not the one committing the unsportsmanlike penalties and the false starts and not lining up and making it second and 18 instead of second and six. Fix that and then worry about how you get 10 yards over three downs against Notre Dame's defense. Playing, playing for each other being accountable, uh, knowing that you can count on your teammate and they can count on you. Quit being selfish. This team's way too selfish. Uh, you know, and I, and I know we could get into a, an hour-long discussion on what's going on with today's uh, environment in terms of how young people are, are, are quote-unquote, being raised or raising themselves, again, depending on what side of the argument you want to come from. But it's now time to refocus and redouble again. 
and, and learn to play for and with each other. Uh, this is not the way Florida State football should be, and quite frankly, it's embarrassing, and it needs to change. Next opportunity for that comes this Saturday under the lights, primetime at South Bend. We will be there, but uh, first we will be back with our regular edition of Front Row Knowles on Wednesday night at 6. He's Keith. I'm Tom. We'll talk to you next week.